0: fellow wanders in the fourth dimension and welcome to the Greatest Show in the Galaxy podcast. My name is Emma Foster and joining me as always, Mr. Mike Mould. How are you, sir? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> the summer snottery is upon us. And uh, this week we're going to talk about the lovely tropes that make up Doctor Who. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have not been suckered in to the website TV Tropes um, with a long, uh, many tabs open session of having a good old read of that website, uh, we went through and uh, we're big fans of that site both me and mike and mm-hmm. um we decided we were going to have a, a look through the the doctor who uh tv tropes page which is an enormous page so I we mean, yeah. won't be going through all of it otherwise this would be a 20 part uh, <laughs> podcast um so we picked out a few of our favorites we're going to have a chat about whether we like them whether the tropes we like or whether we don't like them um some episodes that go with those and just have a general chat about it so mike why don't you kick us off and uh, give us one of your faves well i have got to start with
1: probably one of the obvious ones, the BBC quarry. Oh, now, yes.
0: it's it, TV
1: Tropes doesn't have much of an entry on it, um, but, because obviously it's so ubiquitous it would be just daft to list them all, but it just says subvert in the hand of fear in which the TARDIS arrives in what act, turns out to be in an actual quarry. So... <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, it's it's one of the things that I think, as as people who follow British cult television, it's one of the things you sort of come to expect, especially mm. in the old days. I mean, if you were someone who was not only watching Doctor Who, but like Blake 7 and stuff like that, mm-hmm. a lot of these quarries became somewhat familiar. Yeah. Um, you know, they're cheap, they look weird. I mean, they can be any sort of a convincing alien planet, because you can't see someone's uh, full cavalier in the background and... <laughs> all this sort of thing so i mean they're perfect to use i mean um if you're a quarry fan i highly recommend going to uh the blue water shopping center what used to be europe's largest shopping center and a doctor who location because it's built in a quarry lovely <laughs> lovely stuff uh yeah but i mean i'm I, one of those things that is kind of now morphed into being um uh, like a, a sort of beloved kind of uh a shout out to the past because I mean, what was? Hang on, let's have a think. Is it? I mean, Waters of mm-hmm. Mars. They used a, a quarry quite extensively, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. And Impossible Planet as well. That was the same um, quarry, I believe. I think so. Yeah. 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 So you know, the quarry is still still up. Oh, and and not just them. And Utopia as well. They use it for mm. the for the future, uh, like the last planet that exists and things like that. So I mean, it is. They still get a lot of use out of a quarry these yeah. days.
1: It's useful. Yeah, but sometimes they go off to Lanzarote and make it look like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean, to to the layman's eye, I mean, we, we know it's Lanzarote because all the documentation says it and we're people who are interested in that sort of thing. <laughs> but I think, you know, going to Lanzarote or indeed Utah looks almost exactly the same as any other quarry. Yeah. It reminds me actually of um, mm-hmm. if, if you if you any of you uh, people out there are X Files watchers mm-hmm. um, about I think the end of season two when they did the Anasazi those those episodes yeah, yeah. Um, they had a quarry but then they had to spray the entire thing with red paint to make it look like the right place they were meant to be because <laughs> they're in Vancouver <laughs> <laughs> oh dear which seems absolutely ludicrous but at least it's not just us
1: mm, that's very true.
0: So what do you got? Okay, so I've got uh, all myths are true. So they're all aliens, vampires, wolves, witches, ghosts, the Yeti, the Loch Ness monster, even the devil is an alien. Um, I've said it time and again that I love all this kind of, you know, um, ancient oranges of man guff and you know all, all the sort of the the um, the old legends and it's just our way of expressing um, sort of something that the people then didn't really understand and all this sort of things. So all the legend, mm-hmm. all the legends are actually this or this thing or the dr- draconians or the Cybermen, or this or that thing so i mean it's, it's something that um as, as i've said before that rick of uh starbase 66 has uh scolded me for in the past that um you know even though i don't personally describe any of those sort of chariot of the gods type uh eric von daniken shit i will sit and watch on on the air quotes history channel um i'm i'm a sucker all that trash tv guff so um yeah, uh, it, it sort of plays into my uh, my love of that older uh, tribe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so another one I quite like is um, the cast show off um, because mm-hmm. obviously you've got the likes of John Pertwee who was a man of action and he liked oh, his vehicles, didn't he? Because mm. I mean, you got the Bessie, you got the Who reveal. I mean, there was I think was it like part two or three of Planet of the Spiders is like its final show as the doctor like they thought all right well, well we'll give him a hovercraft chase you know just to give him a nice send off with <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah i mean as well he was quite fond of doing all his own stunts and stuff mm. like that so like all the the stunt falls and stuff like that he wanted to do himself even though he really shouldn't have been
1: <laughs> no because of course he had a bit of a knackered back so it's like it's you know i mean i'm all for like actors doing their own stunts but there are times where you like go
0: yeah you shouldn't
1: no <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: I mean, especially, with, especially with the in Doctor Who case, especially in the classic days, these were older guys. Not hmm. to be, not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean, there must have been someone going, "Our insurance bill is going to be astronomical." <laughs> well,
1: I don't know, because I mean, like we say, this is back in the day, so maybe it was just sort of expendable. Like, well, fuck it, you know, if they want to do it, <laughs> it's not like what these do, days.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the the whole public, you know, health and safety, the public liability aspect mm. would just be, uh, you know, no one would even think of asking David Tennant to do his <laughs> own stunts or anyone like that. But I think, you know, because they, they sort of get a bit sniffy about them hanging off wires and stuff, you know, mm. but... Uh, yeah, it, um, it, as I, I think it's just symptomatic of the old days. I mean, and something, again, that some that a lot of other shows are guilty of. See, for further details, uh, Star Trek Next Generation and Gates McFadden. They mm. say, because she's the one who can dance, so, oh, bear make her dance a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's another entry on this one, um, which I always thought was quite interesting, is when it's, it talks about aversions, um, because you've got Kylie Minogue in Voyage of the Damned. And, you know, obviously, a musician, she doesn't actually sing in it. Um, mm. Billy Piper, again, originally a singer, mm-hmm. didn't sing in it. And, um, Catherine Tate, um, you know, actually managed to, like, play it straight. She wasn't, like, being comedic all the time, you know?
0: I say, we've got, on the other side of that, we've got, um, the, like, the, the, the Catherine Jenkins casting. Mm. I yeah. Mean, cause I mean, you can probably make the case that she was entirely cast to sing the song at the end. <laughs> well, it's a nice song. It's a nice song. I'm not, I'm not taking away um, from it, but, um... It's sort of a thing of who we've got this song, we want someone to belt out, so oh well, Catherine Jenkins can sort of act passably, so we'll get her in and she can uh, <laughs> rip this one out at the end. <laughs> I was saying, you've got Bonnie Langford as well, so they put in her skills to scream at exact shit. <laughs> to, um, to, to, to uh, you know, because uh, all those uh, night-long evenings doing performances of cats on the West End, you know, you've got to put them talents to use somewhere. <laughs> ideally not doing cats, which I think is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Whisper it. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, again, related to the one that... I just said there's the there's we've got the ancient the ancient astronauts mm. um, the Earth's been visited a lot over its history at this point it's hard to think of a religion that in the series that hasn't had aliens meddling in it at some point um, again sort of related to the first one I love all that guff mm-hmm. um, so yeah it it's quite uh, it it's it, obviously you've got to kind of um, treat it with kid gloves a little bit because obviously we don't get people writing letters into the BBC about. Uh, you know, my child watched Doctor Who and now he's an atheist. Scum. Yeah, fanistic, whatever. Um, but yeah, um, I think that they've sort of, again, sort of seen the impossible planet for mm-hmm. more details on that one.
1: Yeah. Um, one we often brought up our, during the course of this podcast is the Death by Origin story.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's quite a list. So mm-hmm. you've got Vicky's father was killed um, just before the, her debut story, The Rescue. Uh, Sarah Kingdom was tricked into killing her own brother in the dog's master plan and then she died herself um, Victoria Waterfield's father obviously died um, at the hands of the Daleks in the evil of the Daleks Adric lost his brother to the Marshmen in full circle and then he got himself got killed in Earthshock spoilers mm. um, Nissa lost some family members and then her entire planet
0: <laughs> Just, <laughs> I like some family members <laughs> and in brackets entire planet, planet yeah <laughs>
1: Um, Tegan's aunt was off by the master um, mm-hmm. yeah mm, well it seems like this at the beginning of the series of the returns of the series but the time Lords obviously that's not the case anymore um, mm-hmm. but technically as TV, TV tropes mentions here the regeneration of one Doctor into another is death by origin story
0: absolutely is
1: because the uh, previous Doctor yeah. has to die for the new one to take the stage
0: Mm. It's one of those things that it's kind of a trope that I'm really kind of on the fence about, mm-hmm. as uh, because I think it, it's one of those things that's kind of been horribly kind of abused in the the. It's easy to give a character yeah. like drama mm-hmm. in that we need this character to be sad or you know abrasive, or whatever. So to kill a family member. Yeah, most egregiously, it's used a lot in female characters to give them a sexually a sexual abuse background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I hate with a capital page yeah um you know it's it's kind of it's become one of those things it's kind of cheap it does feel a bit nasty mm-hmm. so i mean you know to a point i understand why it's used because obviously if we want a character to go with the doctor the easiest thing is to have a bunch of relatives when one of them dies and then you go okay well the thing that's keeping me on, on this planet has now gone mm-hmm. so now i can come with you um saying that they've somewhat avoided in the last series i mean because Although we didn't do a death by origin story, you can talk about Amy's origin story is mm-hmm. entirely motivated by the sort of the past brought upon her by her meeting the doctor at a very young age. Yeah. So, you know, that whole kind of cyclical nature of that. I mean that is it, it's kind of taking that trope and making something a little bit more clever. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can get down with that. But um yeah, I think it's one of those ones that kind of been beaten ironically to death. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and it is, like it is I don't want to say lazy but I think it's like far too easy to do. It's it's, it's too it, much too much of an easy thing to just like stick on the wall. It's like it's like a yeah. post-it note of like character building, you know. It is. You know, it, it's, it's
0: kind of it's kind of like the it, the story writing equivalent of like. Then they woke up and it was all a dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it it it's kind of it's just such a neat it's sort of get a get our jail clause mm-hmm. for them and um, I think happily they've kind of stepped away from that a little bit. But it's always going to be kind of a kind of a um an easy way out for writers. I mean I'm I'm glad we're not getting so much of it now but mm. um in, in who that is I mean other other things do still lean on it quite heavily. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah I'm I'm sort of happy to not have it for now anyway. I mean we we may end up with uh, some of that coming up. Yeah. Okay, so one that I've picked out here is a Nazi by any other name, the Mm. Daleks, of course, uh, very fond of shouting violent threats and talking about racial purity, I mean, can we say any more Nazi than that, really? Probably not. Especially when you get things like uh, sort of the the Sylvester McCoy era, Mm. that there's a civil war between them about Mm -hmm. purity, even. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um you know, uh, uh, just to really hammer it home that we've got uh, Journey's End, yeah, we've got Martha pops along to Germany, and we have Daleks <laughs> <starting> exterminating <laughs> <at> people.
1: <laughs> that was one of those moments where I saw just like you went there. You
0: yeah, know, you it, really it, did go there. <laughs> Um, um, so not just the Daleks themselves, but um, as the article points out, that you've got uh, the Carles themselves. When we see them in like Genesis, their uniforms are very SS.
1: Oh yeah. Oh God, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the moment like do the sort, click the heels. They, they all put like goose step. You know what I yes, mean? Yes,
0: they do. Yeah. Um and also you've got things that um like the alternative timeline in Inferno and mm-hmm. the alternative timeline of uh Turn Left. Um you've got, you know, labour camps yeah. and um extreme right wingedness and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's obviously becoming very Nazi in nature. So I mean that is always again, it's it's sort of a, an easy kind of what if the Nazis had won? Alternative future, <laughs> alternative past, things like that that are can't, always going to come up. Um, I mean, I don't mind the one in Inferno, actually, because it's quite it, although you sort of get the very kind of uh, Gestapo-esque interrogation of the third doctor, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I do quite like it. I think it's it's kind of it's not as in your face enough to kind of make it abrasive. It's mm-hmm in it sort of you can sort of see an alternative timeline where this sequence of events might happen quite easily yeah. so you can sort of go with it a bit and you with with turn left you can easily see how sort of a, a huge disaster that that the, the, the making the south of england uninhabitable mm-hmm. would would cause and you could easily see something like what happened in the States with the internment of Japanese people and things yeah. like that. You know, it, it, it's something that could easily happen in the internment of immigrants and things like that. So, mm. you, you it mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's sort of just not far away enough to not be scary. Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, did you ever hear that thing in Inferno that, um, you know, because when, when they got the brigade leader and that sort of stuff, they got that picture of the bloke with the moustache on the wall? Yeah. And I read uh, there's an alternative theory that that's their universe version of the Doctor. He's yeah. like the supreme leader and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. Your mileage may vary with that. Well, one. yeah, it's true.
1: Um, so, again, this is a, this is another one we have touched on before in the past, but uh, the early installment weirdness. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's always quite it's always quite interesting to see how like things change over time. I mean, because mm-hmm. obviously um, it was originally meant to be like, a children's problem with a strong educational component, and then they threw that out by the second story, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's sort of uh, it, what what you always sort of forget is like the pure historicals, like mm-hmm. are very much contained to the first Doctor. And yes. we only really get um, the Highlanders with the second... Well, okay, that's not true, actually. I, forget, I keep forgetting about Black Orchid. Um, <laughs>
0: Everyone forgets about Black Orchid. Yeah,
1: it's only two parts. So, uh-uh. um, mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, it's
1: uh, it, it's sort of like the the real sci-fi element is the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and like that's how we get there. Um, but also, uh, the Doctor was, you know, was a lot more antagonistic. I mean, that sort of, like, got thrown to the wayside quite quickly um Mm -hmm. but um i mean when you think a lot of the signature elements of the doctor's tv tropes put it didn't even begin with the first doctor now the sonic screwdriver was the second doctor working with the Mm -hmm. unit was the second doctor the two hearts the third doctor the ability to regenerate um 12 times was the fourth doctor the regeneration the term regeneration was with came from the third doctor and um, it wasn't until the second Doctor that we actually found out that the Doctor's race were called the Time Lords, and that was re- really right at the end of the second Doctor's tenure. And even then, we didn't get to hear the Doctor's the name of the Doctor Doctor's home planet until the third Doctor. So That's it, right. it's, yeah. it's it's quite like sort of strange to think, you know, for the entirety of the first Doctor's time, you know, it was just this guy. I mean, obviously. You know, he was an alien. We had he had this device called the TARDIS, but that was it. A lot of the lore um, doesn't get built up until later incarnations, which yeah, nowadays—absolutely right. Nowadays, mm-hmm. you think they'd be doing that, like that movie's not necessarily straight off the bat, but certainly within a few episodes.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, but again, it's this whole idea that we we want to be. Getting in an audience and things mm. like that i mean the whole idea that you would leave all these details about uh, your main character out is completely anathema to mm. how we write stories now this whole idea if you want to know all this information you want to hook people in get them interested um and uh it's 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 kind of this whole this whole kind of method of storytelling mm-hmm. it, it's kind of gone away in a sense yeah um so yeah, the the whole the whole idea that you would know this little about your main character is is you would ne- I mean in a way and you would never do it again sort of before or since. Mm. So yeah, it's it's actually very interesting to to sort of take it as a, a historical kind of artifact as well. They mm-hmm. uh, um, say so if you watch sort of uh, TV from that era, you never really know a, <clears throat> a super huge amount about the um, the people you're meant to be rooting for. No, um, it's because it's not important. Yeah, uh, we, we're not watching this every week. We're probably never ever going to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or it's just going to be it's on now, and then that's kind of it. Yeah. So you don't need to know this whole big huge backstory. it's kind of here's your hero. He does hero things. The episode's done. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. Turn turn the telly off and eat your tea sort yeah. of thing. So yeah, it's 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 definitely an artifact of its time, and obviously as time has gone on,
1: mm-hmm. we need to
0: backfill all these details Yeah. because the way that we we understand and people because people want to know this stuff, mm-hmm. so we sort of obviously we want to sort of appeal to the audience by filling in more details.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so. Um, Another one I picked, uh, picked out is uh, Anyone Can Die. Unless someone happens <laughs> to be a historical figure, and even then, there's a good chance they will die at the end of the episode. And the Doctor himself is not immune from a death of sorts, and his companions aren't immune. Um, it depends on your definition of companion, though. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, uh, it, absolutely. And, you know, the, the the biggest bearer of that cross has got to be Adric, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's sort of like... He... he... Well, I mean, of the, all the companions at that time, he was probably the one you'd maybe... Well, you probably wouldn't expect any of them to die, but no. certainly it's kind of like not Adric. Do you know no, what I mean? Because, I mean?
0: he's the kid. He's the kid yeah. of the group. So you don't... You, I mean, it's another sort of useful phrase that TV tropes come up with is plot armour. Mm. So this whole idea that a character has plot armour... You know, so thick that, um, you know, because they're the main character or they're the sort of the secondary character or they're a kid or they're old or something like that, or, or the, in other ways vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So to kill them off would kind of be, you know, too much or too shocking or something like that. So you would say, you know, their plot armor's a mile thick because <laughs> they... There's no way that they're going to die. So mm-hmm. if any any time that character is in peril, you say, well, who cares? Because they're going to be out of it somehow the next week. But obviously, by the time that Adric was bumped off, mm-hmm. we, I uh, think that the the idea has been things were far too comfortable. Yeah. Along with the fact that the TARDIS was so full of people at that point. Yeah. So <laughs> the things to do is just kill him off. Mm-hmm and um, well, I think that along with a lot of people I think there, there was a feeling that oh well it will just be for this episode they're going to sort of pretend and then he'll be back next week and it will be alright And but no they sort of no. stuck to their they, they stuck to their guns and made him dead dead mm. <laughs> you know yeah. and in a way I think by this sort of sort of proving that no one was safe um, it always gives you pause as a fan especially mm-hmm. if you if you uh, if you know about Adric it yeah. always makes you think but Adric died so mm. maybe they could die, and um, but I mean they've sort of subverted that a little bit with Clara, yeah, because yeah she did die, but it wasn't really her. her
1: no, <laughs> although you say that, there's still never really sort of the sense that they were... I mean, it's like obviously because I mean since I mean the only other exception, well of course obviously you had Sarah and Katarina in the Dark's Master Plan, but we barely got to know them. Yeah. And it was sort of inferred that it happened to Perry in Trial of Time Lord, but that mm. got undone. And then te- technically, sort of Amy. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't during her travels with the Doctor. So mm. that doesn't count either. So really, Adric is sort of the only one, you know? Because, mm. I mean, yes, we've got Clara and her temporal duplicates, but that was only in like they've only been in one story a piece you know yeah. if, if it goes on the daleks and snowmen so really it's 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 still sort of like contained to just adric and it's kind of something i
0: kind of wish they would do again but yeah it's me too but i think the problem is i mean it's 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 such a big step mm. and to make them permanently dead dead yeah I mean, it's it's kind of so much safer in a narrative sense to do it with an outlying character. So mm-hmm. Danny, for instance, obviously mm-hmm. getting bumped off sort. Of. I mean, well, he kind of chose his fate sort of. He, well, mm, um, and, you know. But I mean, oh, no, I mean, from being a cyberman, he sort of oh. decided to go off and you know, car it in his own way, sort mm-hmm. of thing. But I mean, obviously, the just having him die in a car crash, yeah. Uh, in a hit and, in a hit, hit and, not hit and run but I mean like in a traffic yeah. accident um, you know I think that's about as, as close as you're ever going to get to it in the new series
1: yeah
0: I, I, think, it, I think I'm think i not sure that they would commit to k- killing off the main uh, companion mm. I think I think because with Adric I think it was sort of softened by the fact there was three of them mm. so if you lose one you know it, it's kind of okay but now they've sort of got into this whole thing of there is a doctor a companion mm-hmm. I think killing them. I don't. I'm not sure they could get away with it. Now,
1: mm-hmm. no, that's true.
0: I, I mean, if I had to pick who was going to give it a go, I would say Moffat.
1: No, oh, yeah.
0: I mean, because he's a ruthless son of a bitch, and <laughs> you know he would, you know, he, he don't give a shit about that wow. sort of thing. But I mean, I think they it would be a sort of quite a big move to like say get you know to have Jenna Coleman leave via death.
1: Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's true. I still like it to happen, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying we we killed Jenna Coleman herself. I'm. I'm just
0: no. Oh, I was, <laughs> no. I'm, I mean, I no, think that I, mean, I would say. I would say if any of them are gonna go that way, I would say Clara's probably your best bet. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I think they're always gonna have this thing of it'd be a character you know, but not the one whose name is in the credits. If no. You see what I
1: mean? Yeah. No.
0: So one
1: I always <laughs> quite like, and it's sort of. It's it's kind of it's actually not as done as much as you sort of think it would be done. Mm. But whenever you have a new doctor, there is a tendency for them to have a go at what they've worn previously, mm. um, which is called on TV terms. Mm. I was quite a fashion victim. So the first one to mention is actually the seventh doctor in Time mm-hmm. in the Rani. After he like gets rid right of the sixth doctor costume, he says, "I'm glad to see I've returned to a sense of hope, couture i mean, still wearing a question mark pullover, but yeah.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but I mean, I mean, even today, I think still think question mark pullover is a lot less. <laughs> um, I think it's a obvious. lot less
0: offensive to the eye than uh, yeah some of the stuff the Sixth Doctor was wearing for yeah. sure. But um, like I say, it's actually
1: it's one of those ones that doesn't happen as often as you seem to think it would. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yes. I mean, um, I had on cassette tape the audio reconstruction of. Power of the Daleks, mm-hmm. which was narrated by Tom Baker. He did like the links. So, obviously, it's the second Doctor's debut story. And when you think about it, his costume is exactly the same as William Hartnell's, it just, just fits him lo- less well. Mm-hmm. So, there's a bit <laughs> <laughs> where, <laughs> where Tom Baker, sort of like, in character, this is all the in character is the fourth Doctor. He He does these links. You know, it's like he's like telling us a tale from his past. You know, do you know not...
0: what? I'm sure it wasn't meant to be, but Tom decided that's what he was doing. Uh, but <laughs> do you know
1: what? More, more power to him. Sometimes yes. his decisions are right, unlike, say, Doctor Who Meets Scratchman. Yes.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but what he there's a bit that he says, I look like a clown. I'll never understand why I thought this ensemble was an acceptable card for a Time Lord, says the man with the big scarf. Um, not quite. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of... It's actually sort of more of a new series thing, strangely enough, actually. Because mm. you've got Time Crash, where the 10th Doctor's uh, remarks on the 5th Doctor's celery. You know, it says, Fair play to you, not a lot of men can carry off a decorative vegetable. <laughs> and you've got, like, the whole sand shoes um, bit um, in Day of the Doctor. You've um,
0: um, got 12 Doctors dressed like a magician.
1: Yeah. Um, and and like Time Heist, he says, you know what do you what do you think, you know, big big scarf bow tie a bit embarrassing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I think it, what's something that's nice actually is old um oh what's chops from unit. Um, um Kate. Oh the other one. Oh, it's good. Yes, Osgood. Yeah, I mean that you know that she she wears all little bits of all the different Doctors. Mm. So like if you look at her costume, she's got the the question mark over the long uh, scarf, the Converse trainers, the bow tie, all these, sort of, yeah, and the bow tie and things like that. You know, she's sort of like a little <laughs> a little embodiment <laughs> of all different Doctor Who tropes. Um, mm-hmm. Something that also sticks out is uh, you know in Logopolis as well, where you have the Fifth Doctor kind of symbolically unraveling. The false Doctor Scars oh, is walking yes. around the TARDIS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, every time I see that scene, I can just like hear the fanboys going, <gasps> How dare you!
1: No! <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, because I mean, at least in the new series, they've sort of chosen to dress them sort of as something approximating normal human beings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather than saying, we need something alien-y. Yeah. Stick them in some random shit that they found at <laughs> the back of the cupboard that looked all terrible or whatever. Um, but, I mean, um, something that they sort of thought, used to fall prey to a lot on Star Trek as well, that, you know, their goals is alien planets and everyone just wears beige. Mm. Um, so, you know, fair play to them and try and make them look a bit different. Yeah. But um, I think it, kind of, it did go a bit too far in the sort of the 80s. Mm,
1: yeah, because the 80s
0: yeah because the 80s reminds me actually of watching a bit of the old uh, the Wimbledon build ups uh, as we're recording it was finals day to day Mm -hmm. and uh, they had a little montage of Boris Becker lifting the trophy because he's uh, Djokovic's coach now Mm -hmm. and he was wearing a hideous bloody pullover (laughs) and my mate said what is he wearing I just said the 80s It was like lime green and blue and like, oh, Christ alive. And he was a, like a neon ginger back then as well, so mm. it was like Clash City. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so um, one another one, well, something I picked out is Arc Words, mm-hmm. a staple of both the uh, Davies and Moffat eras and something oh, yeah. that's kind of a, a new a new idea all round, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, something that how how you respond to it and how you feel about it is entirely... Up to you. I mean, because um, I, I mean, because I'm a person who I think I've talked about this before. I entirely missed all the Bad Wolf stuff. Yeah. I mean, because I wasn't on the internet at the time, yeah. so that all really passed me by. But yeah. I mean, by the time that Torchwood was the the arc word. Mm-hmm um it was it it was kind of really people going oh did you see the tortured thing oh did you see the tortured thing mm-hmm. um and i think by the time that we had the uh the, the run up to uh the master reappearing yeah. it was kind of getting stupid because everyone yeah. every, anything anyone said people uh-huh. would always say oh hang on keep an, keep remember that that might come up that might come up and it never does that does that to you because <laughs> yeah. it, it makes you think everything is significant and then nothing is significant mm-hmm. You know, especially with all that fuss about, you know, that Matt Smith lost his jacket in um
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, and it was a continuity error and it turned out not to be in the end and everyone on the on the internet had to, you know, eat some crow because <laughs> they've been going on about, oh, it's such a bad continuity mm-hmm. error and it turned out not to be. Um, but yeah, I think the by the time that you heard in the Christmas special that Mr Saxon says to fire and all that sort of thing, yeah. and people going, Who's Mr Saxon? Is that the thing? And you know, it kind of got a little bit OTT, so I think that they've sort of rained back from that. No, they mm. haven't actually. Wow. They've got made it worse because <laughs> I mean there was loads of stuff in the in the the River Song uh, Amy Potter, like the series seven, yeah, stuff series six, series seven, that kind of really got too much. I mm-hmm. think you know because all the all the stuff you know the only water in the forest is the river and all this sort of stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. So it, it did kind of get a little bit overblown. I think. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones I sort
1: of like retro hate now. Yeah. Like just because it's been, like, so, like, done.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? Um,
0: I would be okay if I never did it again. It's one of those yeah. things. Yeah.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, another
1: one that I always quite like is what's called Nice Job Breaking It, Hero.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you got the Romans. Uh, the doctor accidentally gives Nero the idea to burn Rome. And he quite, he quite likes the idea.
0: <laughs> he's, really, he's really into it. Yeah.
1: Um, you got the Ark. Um where Dodo inadvertently exposes everybody on board to the common cold, which obviously they didn't have they didn't have resistance to at that time because it was so far along in the future, I think it would been completely eradicated, I believe. And then, you know, it's it you know, it, it kills a lot of people. The problem is that the TARDIS actually brought them back hundreds of years down the line when the when the monoids are taking over because of the people dying off. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I'd say, I mean, the biggest example of that the new series is Don't You Think She Looks Tired? Mm-hmm. Because arguably, that thing, because he's pissed off with Harriet Jones, makes way for the master to become the prime minister yeah. and sets off that whole chain of events there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, his sort of act of uh, stroppiness, if yeah. you like, um, precipitates the whole rest of that happening. The Golden Age never happens.
1: Yeah, and also, you could argue that uh, it caused the whole events of uh, Children Earth.
0: Absolutely, it does.
1: Um, because, you know, you'd think maybe how it
0: Oh, she never would have counted any of that. She had the four, five, six wanted to
1: Yeah, do. yeah exactly. Um, but, uh, I mean, going back to Genesis of the Daleks,
0: mm.
1: you know, um, the Doctor is in a position where he could just completely take out the Daleks. mm mm-hmm. for Forever and ever. They, they will never, never have existed in any particular like strength, you say? Because there are still a few like prototypes knocking about. So, you know, it's just really just like cutting off before they escalate. But in a way, it's sort of like his, his rationality, you know, even though the Daleks are the biggest forces of evil known to the universe, a lot of good comes out of their existence, you know? And, um, I just played, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, this is the... Hu- I mean, to be a bit, to be fair to Genesis, they make the whole story is about that moral choice. Mm. And I do think, it, obviously, the Doctor wanted nothing to do with it in the first place. It's all the Time Lord's fault. So I'll I'll give him a pass on that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, also, that something that the Fifth Doctor did. You know, he accidentally killed off both sides of a conflict by accident while trying to negotiate a truce. You know, he accidentally killed a damaged man who was only trying to find the woman he loved. And, you know, it's kind of caused the extinction of the dinosaurs, but, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this it's a long, long entry, this one. And it's sort of, you know, it runs, like I even mentions let's kill Hitler. You know, the Hitler thanks the doctor for saving his life. But, you know, it was, which was sort of like only, it was completely by accident. The doctor even says that.
0: Well, true, you know, put Hitler in the cupboard <laughs> and that sort of thing. You know, it, yeah. it, but it's it's kind of easy to, to. Uh, I mean, because obviously the whole debate comes out of, you know, if if we change anything, mm-hmm. how do we know the outcome won't be worse and all this sort of yeah.
1: business. There, yeah, there is one so entry at the end of that uh, list that i I always quite liked. I don't know whether this was this got turned into the Big Finish audio play spare parts, but I think there was originally going to be an episode revealing that the Fifth Doctor indirectly
0: helps create the original Mondasian Cybermen hmm yeah that is spare parts i believe in it? Yeah. yeah well i mean that's the nice thing about these the audio plays is that you know we can go hmm interesting and then don't have to worry about the continuity of it so mm. you know you can uh, take that or leave that one um okay so i've got a uh, darker and edgier mm-hmm. so there have been tone shifts over the years uh sometimes between consecutive stories but the mo- most seriously darker and edgy area covers series uh, seasons 21 to 22 mm. original show um generally ascribed to script editors, to Eric Sayward's aspirations to gritty realism, (laughs) Um, mostly ends up with uh, Perry suffering explicit sexual threats from villains, Uh, the Sixth Doctor doing Bond-esque one-liners after just killing people, Um, all that sort of fun stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. Oh, season 21 and 22 are a difficult Mm. period, and it's one of those things that, you know... I don't wanna get all Marshall McLuhan on your ass and say all well, the medium is the message and all that sort of thing, but I think that how tumultuous things were before the uh, it's sort of behind the scenes in Doctor Who I think is expressed in its outward um mm-hmm. the outward nature of the of of what was the nature of the show as it was then. Yeah, well, um, the it, course. it's cause it was in it was in total turmoil and I oh, think yeah. that it that turmoil that Eric Saywood was going through and the the main cast, I think that that made, in a way, that sort of depressed feeling sort of came out on the screen and that kind of inarticulate violence that you had. um, I mean, things like Attack of the Cybermen. Oh, God. The hand-crush scene. I mean, that is ridiculously scary and violent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and bloody as well in a show that's generally not bloody.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of that, the, the Sixth soccer just goes all Sam Peckinpah and the Cybermen he really does uh, it's honestly just completely frags the place it's it's crazy and it's just it's it's yeah the sixth doctor is like one of the doctors I watch least purely because of that it's like Mm. it's just sort of so wrong do you know what I mean
0: it's kind of one of those things of you know. There, there's films and there's movies. Mm-hmm. It's like you like watching movies, but it's the thing of like you watch films. But I don't ever want to sit and watch. You know, I've seen like Schindler's List ones, Gandhi ones. It's one of those things I don't ever want to sit and watch those again, really, mm-hmm. um, because they're all you know because they're not fun to watch. I mean, they're masterpieces and art pieces of you know piece of art and all this sort of thing. But um, you know, not fun. No. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things that you get that you, you get that theme with the sixth Doctor, and you, you watch them, and you sort of think, do you know what? I mm. think I'll be all right not watching that again for a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Especially like I say with things like I say with the Side Men, which is really kind of the nadir of that sort of uh, trying to make something. Uh, you know what was ostensibly kind of a, a fun knockabout tea time sort of, sort of light science fiction show. Mm-hmm. You know, with all this kind of gritty bank robbery and. <laughs> Mutilation, yeah, <laughs> and shit like that, you know.
1: Uh, I mean, you've you've got the Sixth Doctor telling his companion to shoot a guy, yeah. I...
0: fucking hell. It's <laughs> a bit strong.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, uh, I quite like this. Is, this is a good one called "Off the Shelf FX," um, yeah. and one of the best ones. I I've, on the best entries into that banner is uh, in the sea devils uh, they could get stoppage of his nuclear submarine on the surface but not underwater so what they did was to do the underwater shots they bought a model sub model submarine but they kitbashed it with a rotor from a vacuum cleaner to make a 22 propeller sub now Mm. at the time the UK had just started building these 22 propeller subs And it was a state secret. (laughs) And the footage of the the Royal Navy thought that somebody had leaked footage of these submarines. (laughs) So it's one of these strange things where it's like, even though you can sort of like, you can tell, it's it's one of those ones where it's like, oh my God, you know, is this really sort of... You know, that's the thing. I because mean, you mean you have like stuff like Remembrance of the Dogs, we've got the time controller, and it's just like a plasma ball. You know, the sort of like things you find in gadget shops. Yeah, and um also I mean you had like a Nintendo sixty four controller in the runaway bride. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's Apple Mac keyboard and silence to the library. Mm-hmm. But at least I gave that one a pass because, you know, they're still they're quite futuristic.
0: Well, if anyone's gonna be ubiquitous in the future it's
1: gonna be Apple. Yeah. Um, but it's it's sort of strange. I mean, it's like also like time heist. You know, size the hard the, the hard drive thing is literally a USB plug with an LED in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, it's
1: like, but it's that it's the story about the submarine, which sort of like when you sort of like think about it, it's like oh, come off it. But you know, when you think of sort of like the broadcast quality back in the day, you know, obviously we've got to remember like all these pretty much all the DVDs put out by two entertain have been like remastered the fact they've, they've been touched up so it looks you know as best as it possibly can be because obviously it's a DVD so you know it's not gonna be like blu-ray quality but you know back in the day you could easily like forgive the Navy for thinking oh shit there's something gotten out here what the hell's going on how did they get mm. this footage?"
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, because, I mean, obviously you've got the real life example of um, just before D-Day or Operation Overlord, as it was known, mm-hmm. um, that there was that guy who wrote the crossword, I think for like the Times or something, and he accidentally, he turned out like three of the named beaches were clues in the, oh. you know, because there's like Juno and Sword and all those sort of thing. they were in the crossword. So, of course, this is before D-Day happens, so the high command was like, fuck, who's leaked all this stuff? (laughs) Because, of course, you know, putting the crossword is, you know, an ideal way to Mm. communicate these sort of things anonymously. Yeah. So this poor sod got yanked into, you know, HQ and interrogated for hours and hours and hours and all this sort of thing. And it just turned out complete coincidence.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it does happen in real life. Yeah. (laughs) Um. But um, yeah I mean but um, I'll tell you something if you if you're one of these if you're someone who's you know if you're watching these things and you recognize something they've kitbashed it with or you mm-hmm. you, you recognize like a like a bit of like a like a brand named, packaging or something like that nothing will chuck you out of a story quicker <laughs> and realizing that's off the top of that bottle i had last week i mean because a bit hollywood does it as well i mean notoriously if you look at *Souls of phantom menace mm-hmm. um <laughs> communicator yes. is basically a gillette lady shaver yes <laughs> how do they think people would not notice that <laughs> But I mean, to be fair, I didn't notice it until I watched the you know the Mister Plinkett uh, Red Letter Media reviews of uh, (laughs) of those because it's sort of obviously you've got like a feature length destruction of that movie, (laughs) so they do point it out in there.
1: Oh bless!
0: (laughs) I highly recommend those though. I I spent a a very happy Sunday sitting and watching all of those. Hmm. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so another one I picked out: Ret Gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a continuity nerd, I I enjoy this one. But um, what happens to those who fall through the cracks of the universe? And Stephen Moffat has reportedly said that as a result of the cracks and what was necessary to fix them, a number of major events from the preceding series, most notably several alien invasions and other incidents that attracted widespread public notice have been erased from history, leaving an Earth that is once again almost entirely ignorant of the existence of alien beings. What this means for past companions whose travels to the Doctor hinged on those events is anyone's guess. Um, However, much of this was undone again when the Doctor rebooted the universe in the Big Bang, which is stated on screen as restoring everyone's memories, or at least the memories of all time travellers, no doubt including past companions. Even after the Doctor restores lost events in the Big Bang, Miracle Day incident doesn't appear to be one of them and is never mentioned by anyone, thank Christ. Mm -hmm. As of Series 7 as well, the Doctor has raised himself from every database ever, so no one remembers him.
1: Hmm. Also, I mean, you've also got uh, the next Doctor. You know,
0: you've got a giant
1: Cyberman stopping across London, and it's like nobody ever brings that up ever again.
0: Yeah, you would think. Oh well, I mean, you know, <laughs> um, it it is a sort of thing of you have to continue this fallacy of no one knowing whole... about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because they did play with that as well, because you obviously got the Christmas invasion that London is empty yeah. because the last two years something's happened. So <laughs> <I said. laughs> um, you know, which is you know a, a funny way to deal with it, but um, obviously you get a lot more mileage as a writer. Mm-hmm. Of this being like a like a shock to everybody, mm-hmm. and I think it says in the in the uh, in the series that the Doctor was kind of becoming too famous, mm-hmm. you know. So they had to sort of get him back in the shadows. Yeah, and
1: but the problem with that is, I think it's even brought up in the series. Like, if he does that too, if he goes too far in that direction, then that causes problems. So he, mm. it's, there's a no-win inter- situation for him.
0: Mm, indeed. Um, it's it, it's such a delicate balance to strike though, as well, isn't mm. it? Um, of can he walk down the street without people trying to stop him for a selfie? Yeah. <laughs> or can can we sort of have it back in this sort of the way that we were introduced to the Doctor in the first, like episode one mm. of his sort of the Preserver conspiracy theorists?
1: You, you probably could, but at the same time, when you have the sort of like stuff going down, of course, obviously yes, humans human beings um superpowers ignorance so yeah i mean he could he could easily do it but i think like what's been happening with you know um especially during you know the later years of matt smith's run where he says you know i've he, he starts like taking himself out of databases and all that sort of stuff it's it's like i say it's the sort of thing that can also lead to their own problems yeah, mm. I think it's like River said to him once, you know, didn't you used to be somebody?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's such a delicate balance to strike, isn't it? Mm. Um, and uh, as well, because we live in an, obviously, an, an extremely connected world, so you sort of think, how how can you sort of avoid mm-hmm. being on the internet, yeah. <laughs> essentially? I mean, it was a part of Kill the Moon as well, with Courtney sort of uh, putting him on, and talking about him on Twitter or some such like that, sure. wasn't it?
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also the sort of thing that... I've been um, watching a lot of, like, the original Thunderbirds, and their sort of, like, big thing was, you know, we don't like to be filmed, we don't like to be tracked. Now, tracked, fair enough, because, you know, that that can lead to problems. But, you know, they're saying, you know, we don't want to be filmed, but the problem is there's nothing stopping people from just, like, going, okay, so Thunderbird 1 was a sort of, like, silver rocket thing, (laughs) <laughs> and turn the bird to this big green thing. People remember this shit. I mean,
0: I mean it's. You're not subtle, you've got your own massive fucking island.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Everyone it's... knows
0: where you are. <laughs> you've got a space station. <laughs> yeah. You know, I the think they got me about the original Thunderbirds, though, was going that? back and watching it. Mm. How much they all smoke.
1: Oh, God, yeah.
0: All yeah. the time. Well, I was in 60s, so, you yeah. know. My dad ruined that for me, though, because, I mean, uh, again, when, when it, it was sort of re shown in the 90s, they showed. Mm. Um Thunderbirds Captain scarlet, and uh, Stingray, yeah, and, uh, I remember sort of sitting and watching it avidly because Thunderbirds was the first one they put on mm-hmm. um so I was watching it avidly, and my dad sort of pointed out that oh yeah, watch when they go through a door it cuts away <laughs> my <dad's ruined> it!
1: <laughs> nice
0: uh okay, so um I've got a jigsaw puzzle plot. Mm-hmm. Stephen Moffat has likened the progression of the unfolding issues in, in his episodes and story arcs as putting together a puzzle. Um, people do get pissed off with this, though, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, because I've sort of said before that I think, you know, I don't think it's ludicrous that a series asks you to pay attention. No. Um, and I don't think you can, I don't think it's unreasonable the amount of plot. I think you can pick up the plot from just watching the episode once as well. Mm-hmm. I think if you sit and watch episode once, pay attention, you will get what's going on.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I don't some, think
0: you need to massively revise
1: yeah i think some of the minutiae you might like lose they might get lost if on on like a first viewing but yeah. you know but the thing of it is you know people complain about the plots being too complex if they were too simple people would be going, well why are you just hand this all to us on a silver plate you know mm-hmm. say like, you can't win
0: yeah absolutely you can't and um <laughs> I don't know, I I just think, uh, again, I think it, it's kind of indicative of kind of diminishing attention spans and mm-hmm. all this sort of thing, I don't know if that's true, that's kind of, feels like kind of an old lady thing to say, but, um, like I said, I mean, because I'm into, I mean, because I think, I mean, I'm really into the show, mm-hmm. you know, it's my favourite show, so I sort of want to, want to hear, I want to pay attention to it, because I want to pick up everything, mm-hmm. so... I appreciate obviously the people who have got kids who are busy, you know, and just are watching it, in the, you know, in between doing a million and one other things, you know. So I appreciate that. Obviously, something some plot points may may sort of pass you by, but I do think it is sort of one of the the more lazy criticisms of Moffat's era. Mm-hmm. In that, oh, it's too complicated. Because you know what, if you don't get it, just go find a kid because they know they know everything oh. that is happening <laughs> in the show, every single thing. Yep. <laughs>
1: So, another one that comes up a lot in Doctor Who is recycled in space!
0: <laughs> in space!
1: Yes, um, as TV Tropes writes, all half of all episodes ever are hammer horror, classic literature, contemporary movie, Greek mythology, etc., with aliens! Uh, <laughs> Doctor Who author Ben once said that talent borrows, genius steals, and Doctor Who authors get it off the back of a lorry, no questions asked.
0: So you rightly do. <laughs> um, so
1: you've got Voyage to the Dam, which is the Poseidon adventure
0: in space.
1: Um, you've got a Christmas Carol, which of course was, of course, a Christmas Carol
0: in space
1: with a flying shark.
0: Um, <laughs> well, we've got um, oh gosh, what's the one in the hotel? God complex. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the, the story of the Minotaur. In space, in a space hotel. <laughs> You've
1: got uh, the demons, which is quite a mass in the pit.
0: In wheelchair instead of
1: Knightsbridge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and with a satanic picker. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, do you know what? I'm, I'm cool with it as well, because I like feet. I'm uh, annoying now it all, so I like going, oh, well, that's actually a Greek myth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, and you know, this is basically the Odyssey. Yeah, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but did... you know, I, I read a I read a book. I don't know if I have it anymore. Where is it? It's not on my bookshelf at the moment. But um, it's like that. It was a, a sort of a, a book about. There's only basically seven stories, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a whole. It was like a whole thing. And there's the seven types, di- different. Every every story can fit into one of these seven categories, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it basically it sort of took. Traced the, the, all the way back, uh, mm. took these story types and then traced them all the way back to sort of the the, the origins of mm. sort of um, the sort of the most ancient version of these stories that they could find. Oh, yeah. You know, and everything's a bloody epic of Gilgamesh in it. So,
1: <laughs> well, there's, there's literally no new ideas under the sun, as they say. No, um, they are right. But I'd be remiss in uh, moving on without uh, mentioning the larger, which is Doctor
0: On Earth. <laughs> it so is isn't it i mean when you've got to that level of kind of meta Mm -hmm. reference i mean you know that is basically your own show within your own show i mean you know it's time to sort of have a lie down isn't it yeah um (laughs) um but again like i say it's something that i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty cool with Mm -hmm. and lots of lots of other um shows and plays and books i mean there's plenty plenty of uh of examples of people taking a, a real old story or a, a, like a, a myth and, and use it as sort of updating it to the the modern day.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got an email to read. So should we do one more trope each and then we'll move on to that?
0: Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so okay. Um, my last one then, um, uh, Primal Fear, mm. uh, how the show is so scary. And <laughs> that is basically how that is all you need to know, really, about that one. Um, it's... It, it, Especially Moffat's era has a really, a really, really like unbelievably effective way of preying on things that you're scared of and you didn't know you were scared of.
1: Everything will kill you.
0: Yeah. And everything is frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and all of his monsters as well are sort of are scary in kind of really unique and appalling ways and you know i love him for it but um damn you for making me scared of statues you uh, bastard <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, it's you know i mean obviously there are examples before
0: um, yeah of course yeah
1: Terror of the Autons. i mean like plastics mm-hmm. i mean especially like things like um the plastic film that you know the the daffodil shoot out because i mean how many like horror stories you heard of like kids putting carry bags over their heads and what have you in suffocating. But it's it's Moffat who's really sort of like taking this ball, ran with it and spiked it into the end zone.
0: You know, Oh, but... absolutely. But I mean Kate care- and but also I think it's sort of really sort of cleverly praised that I think that kids are scared of really weird shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being scared of really weird things when I was a small child. I mean, and I was I lived by the seaside <laughs> um, and there I was walking around to the shops and I heard a, a conversation with a little boy about he didn't want to have a go on the, uh, the donkeys because he was scared of them. So, you know, and she was saying maybe when you're a bigger boy, you want to go. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> sort of thing. And I thought, like, who could be scared of the donkeys? And I sort of turned around. And, I mean, he was a tiny, sort of little toddler, little lad, mm-hmm. you know. So I thought, yeah. oh, that's really, really sad. He's scared of the donkeys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, kids are scared of all sorts of really random shit. And, you know, Moffat's mm. really good at jumping on those sort of things and exploiting <laughs> them as, as much as he can. I mean, notoriously, he picked the whole thing of the crack in the wall because mm. one of his sons had a, a basically a crack like that in his bedroom wall and it scared him. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want some donkey aliens adopt here now, maybe. Said there that. probably
0: will be some donkey aliens <laughs> who just put the shitters right up that poor kid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm. So, finally, and I think I've saved the. Uh, sort of, probably the biggest one for last, if I do say so myself. It's what TV chubs call the X of Y. Oh, yes. By far the single worst abuse of this chub, guilty of it no less than 125 <laughs> times. <laughs> Having trouble coming up with an episode title? Try mixing and matching these ones that already exist. Okay, so you've got Colmex Age, Aliens, Ambassadors, Androids, Arc, Army, Attack, Asylum, Bargain, Battle, Bells, twice. Brain, Bride, Brink, Carnival, Caves, uh, Change, Claws, Coronas, Crater, Curse, three times. Dark Invasion, Day, six times. Death, three times. Destruction, Dimensions, Edge, End, three times. Enemy, Escape, Evil, Evolution, Phase, Family, Feast, Fires, Forest, Genesis, Guests, all hand, Horror, Horse, Image, Invasion, Keeper, Keys, Knights, Land, Last Mark, Mask, Massacre, Mind, Monster, Music, Name, night Parting, Planet eight times, Power mm-hmm. twice, Priest, Prisoners, Pyramids, Rain, Remembrance, Revenge, Resurrection, Revelation, Rings, Rise, Robust twice, Roof, Sea, Seeds twice, Sentence, Snows, Sound, States, Stones, Talons, Temples, Terror three times, time twice uh tomb trap tyrant vampires victory voyage Wall. warrior war warriors Waters. was wedding wheel and then you've got column y mm-hmm. which is 10 Andrasani, angels arm against On. axons black spot blood twice uh cybermen four times dogs 11 times uh damned danger darkness dead death seven times decay, decay decision deep destruction dinosaurs disaster doctor four times doctor who Dolls, Doom, Drums, Earth, Evil, four times. Fangrock, Fear, four times. Uh, Fenric, Fendal, Fire, Fortune, France, Ghosts, Giants, God, Identify, Infinity, Jaffa, Crawl, Lies, London, Madam Guillotine, Mandragora, Marinus, Mars, Monsters, Moon, Morbius, Necessity, Needles, Ood, Peladon. Pompeii, Rani, Reckoning River, Song, Sacrifice, St. John, Secrets, Sherwood, Skulls, Spheres, F- Spiders, Spy, St. Bob, Hollywood's Eve, Steel, Stephen, Sun, Tara, Terror, Time, Three, Five, Times, uh, Time Lords, Tomorrow, In Venice, Vervoids, Ways, Wengchang, Wits, World, Three, Times, and Zygons. Statistically the most <laughs> likely title, Planet of the Daleks. Uh, mm-hmm. Also surprisingly high on the left, The Death of Death no, and the Day of Time. <laughs>
0: I can't believe we haven't had a day of time yet, um, but I think it, it, on the anniversary edition of so, uh, when the when the um, an unearthly child came out on DVD, mm-hmm. um, they had some of the bits uh, for the 40th anniversary night they had on BBC Two. Oh yeah, and they had like parody the parody things that Mark Gatiss did, yeah. with uh, some other people, yeah. and I think the episode that episode was called The Web of Caves. Nice, <laughs> you know. So I think that that trope is so well known that yeah. it's you know if you're going to do a parody. That your your episode title is going to be the blank of blank. Mm.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's fair to say that TV tri- uh, Doctor Who's had a fair big old impact on TV tropes because I mean, I think I believe as the story goes that there's the section called uh, "Crowning Moment of Awesome," mm-hmm. and I believe if I remember the story correctly, that it, um, it was actually Ace beating up the Imperial Dalek in "Remembrance of the Daleks" that kickstarted mm-hmm. that whole section.
0: It so was, we yeah. We thought it was
1: freaking awesome, which it is.
0: It is, yeah. It's still awesome to this day, actually. Yeah. It is a punch the air moment when you sit and watch that.
1: <laughs> yes. So, as I mentioned previously, we have an email, woohoo, from Shane Thomas, friend of the show, double um, woohoo, and it's about our female doctors episode. And he says, I actually missed the piece that instigated your Female Doctors episode. Indeed, it's an interesting thought exercise, but as you pointed out on the show, it had some questionable choices. It's quicker if I go down the list. Uh, number one, Joyce Grenfell, fine choice. Uh, two, Hattie Jake's, ditto. Three, Honor Blackman. I can see what the author was thinking looking for an action equivalent to John Pertry, but if you're going to lean on the Avengers, wouldn't Dame Diana Rigg be a better option? Apart from anything else, she's a better actor than Blackman, and would give the character the requisite air of haughtiness when dealing with the unit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 100% behind Dame Dinah and all things. I mean, you know, she's in Game of Thrones and still kicking ass. <laughs> so, you know, um, I mean, I don't really follow Game of Thrones, so I don't know, maybe she's been sort of been torn apart by beasts or something, whatever happens <laughs> to people in Game of Thrones these days. I don't um, know. Seems <laughs> legit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, she she is sort of the, one of the best things to come out of the Avengers. And, um, yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Moving on Shane writes Penelope Keith regarded as the definitive version of the character what absolute drivel Keith has acting chops but playing the doctor Vanessa Redgrave was mentioned as a possible villain but in terms of charisma with a spark in the eye and an air of capriciousness she could knock this role out of the park she has it in her to be playful when she wants to as well watch a smaller on the first Mission Impossible film she steals every scene she's in I love that movie
0: yeah it's decent
1: yeah I think it's probably the best of the Mission Impossible movies to be perfectly honest
0: yeah I'm probably going to still see the fifth one though Right. My sort of hideous completism that made me, made me that I went and going to see Terminator Genesis. I oh. did not care for it. It sucked a butt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. I didn't
1: uh, fancy that Matthew Smith bloke much. I didn't think he was. Very Dude, good. He's seriously in three scenes. No spoilers, <laughs> but
0: yeah, literally three scenes. So hmm. if you're a Who fan thinking oh, I want to go and see it for him, don't bother. No, nah. save your money, mate. Yeah. But anyway, back to the subject. Um, (laughs) um, Again, I can't disagree with what Shane says, but I think that uh, we pointed out, and we will continue to point out with this list, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them were picked purely on sort of physical resemblance. Mm -hmm. And the picture that they use in that list, if memory serves, is basically Penelope Key with curly hair and a floppy hat. (laughs) (laughs) And a big scarf. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of that kind of Homerism pick on that respect, but yeah, hmm. I think that if, you're, if you've if you got a, a Vanessa Redgrave on your books and she's going to do the show, then yeah, if she, you want her to be a doctor.
1: Hmm. Um, he says, number five, Joanna Lumley. Another choice I understand, but ultimately disagree with. If anything, Lumley might be a better villain. If you're looking for someone with an air of decency, warmth, and niceness, I think one could do a lot worse than Julie Andrews. Beyond her persona, she's always been a talented actor. I will nominate Julie Christie as an alternative.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, Julie Andrews would be, you know, I mean, because obviously she's more famous for uh, spinning around on mountains, but, oh. um, you know, you've got to give her a go. She can act as well. Oh. So, yeah, again, can't disagree with what Shane says there. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, who is... Oh, I've just completely lost threat Who is it? Julie Christie. Julie Christie. Um, yeah, and uh, again, same same sort of deal with... In, same sort of... Uh, deal with that really
1: with mm-hmm. that choice <clears throat> yeah it's um number six Miriam margoyles probably the best choice on the list although i mm-hmm. think she may be restricted playing colin baker's incarnation of the doctor i think she'd be better fit playing number four and number seven if you want arrogance yeah. and a touch of unlikability from this doctor then how about billy whitelaw zoe want to make and miranda Richardson also spring to mind but they'd be a bit too young at this stage in their careers
0: yeah, again, I completely agree with what Shane says. I mean, she would have been a tremendous fourth Doctor as well, um, mm-hmm. Miriam Margolis. I mean, but uh, she'll always be the the infanta to me.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he goes on to say, uh, Redmond. I confess to know nothing about Redmond's work, so I've got no opinion on her, good or bad. Although I'm going to throw in Alison Steadman's name into the ring because she should have been on this list somewhere.
0: Yeah, again, completely agree.
1: Mm-hmm. Um... Number eight, he says, Helen Baxendale, what the actual fuck? <laughs> I struggle to think of a more vanilla choice, and if there's one thing The Doctor isn't, it's vanilla. You would choose Baxendale if you were moving the show to ITV at 6.30pm on a Sunday. No, no, so much no. If you're looking for an equivalent to Paul McGann, isn't the loose remake enacted with youth energy and yes, also eye candy? This wasn't an easy choice, but how about Mini Driver? She hasn't always been the, chosen the best work in her career, but she was nominated for an Oscar the year after the Doctor Who TV movie came out. So she can't be totally useless as an actor.
0: No, but I mean, I, I sort of, I'm kind of skeptical of, of the Oscars as a barometer of uh, mm. acting success. Uh, mm-hmm. See, Halle Berry for details. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, not saying that she's bad, but she's also made some some poor choices. Um, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. also. <laughs> um, sorry, I've just been distracted by some tea arriving. Thank you, dear. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, I mean, um, the problem is at that time, you feel like you were kind of thin on the ground for choices. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, and Helen Baxendale at the time was pretty hot property in terms of acting, I mean, because she was on Friends Mm -hmm. as well as Coupling, which was one of the biggest dramas on telly at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I can see why she... um, I think sort of on paper she's actually probably the one of the most realistic picks because mm-hmm. you could see her sort of her name coming up repeatedly a bit like um oh gosh um oh, he's in the bloody lord of the rings film what's his face Orlando uh... bloom? well who Orlando bloom no not Orlando no. bloom he was also in coupling oh um uh... James Nesbitt. Oh yes, of course. There we go. Because James Nesbitt used to come names used to come up all the time for mm-hmm. the show. Uh, because he was sort of the the nearest famous person who wasn't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he was kind of like um, you know, a a male actor, a British mm. male actor. Who's who's sort of doing who's sort of working and doing TV shows, but is free enough to do it? Like Alan Rickman always used to come up in that, and Bill Nye mm-hmm. those sort of guys always used to get their name linked with it. And I think that if if we were making the female Doctor Who at the same time as we were making the t- Paul McGann TV movie, mm-hmm. Helen Baxendale is the name that would keep coming up.
1: Yeah, um, and to be honest, Mini Driver, every time her name pops into my head, I can't help but think of Goldeneye.
0: Stand by your man, (laughs) Yeah, fucking hell, what a (laughs) sight. Anyway,
1: (laughs) moving on. Shane says, number nine, Shiran Jones, a tremendous actor, but I don't think she's a decent fit as the Doctor, especially the ninth. There's a glaring omission of throughout the original list. Eleven women, yes, but all white women. And the further you get down the list, the less the excuses about how only white women were on British TV hold any weight. For the ninth, we had a spiky, damaged, straight-talking Northerner who has gravitas. Kathy Tyson with the bill brilliantly.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I sort of. I mean, I think that uh, that sort of, the choice that they actually made for the list is actually pretty strong for the Ninth Doctor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Shane Shane's suggestion is equally good. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to disagree with it, but I do like the choice they made for the Ninth Doctor. Mm. And I think it's like in terms of. What Shane says about, you know, they're
1: all being white women. I think it's, again, this is sort of like just finding the female parallel to, mm. you know, the established actors we have as the Doctor, you know. So I think I I can't give it a pass, but I can mm. see why it's the way it is. Yeah, they're, absolutely. Yeah, they're literally just going, well, who's a female equivalent of, like, Christopher Eccleston? mm Yeah. Um so, but uh, moving on, number ten, Sue Perkins. Emma said at all, this is a ludicrous choice. Sue Perkins is not a fucking actor. You might as well as suggest my sister. Quick sidebar, Perkins is a pretty good screenwriter. She contributed to an excellent script to Russell T. Davis show Banana. A much overlooked issue with Doctor Who isn't the diversity of the cast but the diversity of the authors. I'd love to see Perkins get a chance to script a Doctor Who episode. As as far as a female tenth goes, it's a difficult one as Tennant shows a lot of the different characteristics with the role, but ultimately his major quality was probably his likability, so my choice would be Mira Sayal. A quick look at her CV shows she's able to adroitly handle both the comedy and the more dramatic stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a great suggestion. Um, I think uh, this is probably the most egregious example of someone who looks like the male actor. Um, but yeah, I mean Sue Perkins is is a great screenwriter, is a great presenter, but she ain't an actor. No. Um, I think we we sort of covered it quite extensively in the show. But um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a pretty solid choice for someone sort of more appropriate than Sue Perkins. Mm-hmm. And uh, closing, uh, Shane says, "Love and Miranda Hart." I haven't
1: seen a lot of Hart's work, but was she on this list because she's known as being gen- really good at falling over on screen? And so was Matt Smith. So. Mm. Man, Something Emma has noticed about Smith's Doctor and is seldom talked about is how cold and icy he could be on occasion. More than any Doctor since the reboot, Smith best embodies a character who looks human but isn't. And when you look closely, you can see he's not of this world. The idea of filming a version of this would be Samantha Morton, you just need to take a performance in Minority Report and turn it down a couple of notches. And closing, says, yes, yeah, so that's my, so that's my list. Hopefully we won't have to wait long until one just needs to hypothesise a world with a female Doctor. While the show doesn't rise or fall in the gender of the character, it matters because we've had thirteen doctors over fifty years, and they've all been cisgender white men. That's a pretty big sample size, and it shows that either there's been some bias, unconscious or otherwise, in the show's ch- casting, or the cisgender white men are inherently better for the part.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, I think it, we've sort of we've we've cu- we've talked about a lot about future casting mm-hmm. on the on the show, and I think that now that that we've got a sort of a new life cycle, essentially, I feel like they sort of freed themselves to do anything. Mm -hmm. So I think time will tell about what direction they, they go in for the, for the next doctor. But I do think they're, they're sort of moving towards that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think unfortunately sort of the reaction that we've had to the, the master, being female now, mm. um, the a lot of the reaction to River Song. I think that I mean, I don't know if it's sort of a case of being in the echo chamber of fandom mm. where sort of the, the most insane sort of blaring anuses of uh, <laughs> of uh message boards kind of um kind of rise to the top, unfortunately. Mm. Um so so you kind of only really hear the most extreme views in a way yeah um, or sort of the most sort of the most egregious as people are sort of pointing them out as sort of yeah this is what we think or this is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life sort mm. of whichever you, you sort of go for so how people really responding to it's kind of difficult to judge mm-hmm. especially from my perspective obviously being a fan and knowing a lot of fans so I only really get kind of the hardest of the hardcore opinion if you see what I mean yeah so it's difficult to judge how the the general public feel about it which is obviously kind of what they're gonna aim for mm-hmm. but I think that we're seeing signs that we're stepping slowly towards this idea of the Doctor be female or not white or cisgender or anything like that so we'll mm-hmm. see I think but I think that again it, it almost it sort of funnily you know, we were talking about um they maybe wouldn't kill a companion now mm-hmm. but they will do it to outline characters sort of characters around the central nucleus of the Doctor and the Companion mm-hmm. I wonder if they won't get to have the doctor as a female, but they will do it to the characters just around the edge. So mm. like the master and the river and things like that. So, um, but I think that we, we, there's little baby steps being made. So I think there is hope that we mm-hmm. might go down that road. But again, who, who shouts loudest, unfortunately kind of gets listened to. Yeah. And the voices that are shouting loudest are the sort of the baby men basement dwellers who don't want things to change. <laughs>
1: But they don't want to be the same as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, they 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 want. You know, these are the sort of the 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 men's rights advocate type of things who oh, think that because hey. people are getting, you know, people things are becoming more equivalent, mm-hmm. that somehow that diminishes everything that they've had had into a male platter their whole lives. So yeah. they want. So they want to see someone who's like them on television, even though everyone on television is like them. <laughs>
1: Yes, well, thank you for that email, Shane. It was great to yes. read. And if you would like to email us, you can do it uh, greatest show at greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at show Pod. And we also have a Facebook page. Uh, Emma, if you'd be so good to tell us about that.
0: Yep, uh, head on over to uh, facebook.com. You may have heard of it. Um, uh, you know, no it's pretty niche, is. but, you know, uh-huh. maybe you'll get into it. Check it out. Um, you know, it's a bit like Google+, but, for you know. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> um so yeah head <coughs> on over there put it a great show in the galaxy podcast in the search bar hit enter we should pop up uh, give us a like jot something on our wall um i put up uh the uh the new trailer which came out from san diego comic con and uh there's a picture of my cat abusing some of our doctor who toys so come and enjoy
1: it <laughs> <laughs> nice also while you're on Sympathetic, Syndicate, do check out all of the other good shows talking to War nine thousand um Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots Top 5. Lots and lots of brilliant, brilliant stuff. So, Mm -hmm. with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And we shall talk to you another time.